relationship between a disciple and their mentor is a defining part of a believer's life. In this episode, guest speaker Garrett Weir teaches the importance of intentional relationships and the command of biblical mentorship. All this and more as we continue with the year of the disciple. I'm Philip Jackson, and this is the Married Now What podcast. Second Timothy 2, we're going to be at 1 through 13. So if you guys want to get there, well, I kind of get everything started here. All right, so we're in 2 Timothy. Um, so we have a whole book before this, but a little bit of context of um, actually a little bit of before um, we get into verse or chapter 2. Uh, this is Paul's second letter to Timothy. Uh, it was written while Paul was in prison in Rome. So at this point in time, he's probably literally in chains in Rome writing to Timothy. Um, while Timothy is pastoring the church in Ephesus. Um, and he writes to Timothy to address a couple of things that are kind of the overarching view of this whole book. Uh, for one, it was for encouraging Timothy to actually use his gifts and accept his calling as a teacher and as a pastor to the people in Ephesus. Um, from a little bit of reading on in Timothy, um, you can kind of get that Timothy may have been a little bit more of a maybe a more timid kind of person, um, maybe not as accepting of, um, you know, saying, uh, you know, I, I should be a pastor, um, maybe a little bit um, not quite um, full into being a, a responsible, a shepherd for these people. Um, so it was just Paul was encouraging him that um, he was called to this, that he should do this and uh, he shouldn't shy away from it. And the other thing that he was writing to him for was to deal with corrupt teachers who were in Ephesus at this point who were teaching a false gospel um, while Timothy was pastoring. And they were leading other people astray and taking them with them um, as they were um, teaching all these false things. And so um, really the overarching view for this book was writing to Timothy about those things. But um, here in chapter 2, um, Paul is basically appealing to Timothy about how to disciple these people well and giving him examples of how to actually disciple and kind of a, the focus that we should have as we are going through our lives and teaching people and telling people about the gospel. Um, so part of that is not being ashamed of the gospel. Um, and that was really a big thing for Paul right now because while he is in prison, people are actually leaving him because they're kind of ashamed that he's in prison for preaching the gospel. You think about if you had a friend who um, you were with and all of a sudden they're getting thrown in prison a lot, you might not really want to associate with them uh, very much, especially if you're supposed to be a light to people, but you're being thrown in prison. Um, but Paul is saying that his imprisonment shouldn't be seen as a disgrace, but rather um, something that should be boasted about because it wasn't because of something bad that he's done. It's because that he is full in on the gospel and he isn't ashamed of the gospel. So we'll go ahead and uh, go into this. So really when we're looking at this, um, Paul is giving us a mindset to have as we share the gospel and make disciples. And um, we have to be sure that we're teaching and investing in people that we meet and especially people that uh, we're close with. And there is that opportunity where if we meet new people that, yes, we'll maybe maybe be able to have one-on-one conversations with them as we um, just kind of meet them all of a sudden and maybe have that, you know, 10 second interaction and be able to share a little bit with them. Um, those are good things, but also uh, the people that we're with all the time, the people that we have um, seat time with, the people that we have elbow time with, 
um, those are the people that we should really be investing in and seeking to um, really <coughs> teach them and be able to have good relationships with them so that they can know the Lord and that we can disciple them. Um, but we'll go ahead and we'll jump in and we'll start. Uh, we'll go ahead and read through the chapter or this uh, couple of verses and then we'll uh, start studying a little bit on it. Uh, so chapter 2, he says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace as in Christ Jesus. And things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Sorry, Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. All right. We will start with verse 1. Um, uh, whenever he starts talking, he addresses to him. He says, you then, my son. And that really stands out as a um, kind of a, a key to their relationship. Uh, at this point in time, Paul really sees Timothy almost like a biological son. I think in other chapters he calls him his son in the faith. Um, and you can see that uh, Paul is close enough to Timothy that he's able to have that relationship with him. Um, you know, he really treats him as his own flesh and blood. And whenever we go into relationships with people, um, not that we should be looking to make them actual, you know, uh, father and son, daughter relationships, but... Um, you know, there are times that maybe you actually feel them as a brother or sister. Um, maybe not quite in Christ yet, but um, I know my, I look back to my mentorship a lot um, as I'm reading this. And um, my mentor had, there's probably eight of us that were very close to him and we were all really close together. And while we were being discipled by him, uh, we also were able to cling to each other and we learned a lot from each other. And that relationship is really deep, and those things are um, really vital to a Christian life, I think. Um, there are times when you really miss that if you don't have that. And I think that is something that everybody should be striving for, is a, a really deep relationship with other people. Because if you just have the surface relationships, if it is just uh, you come to church and you kind of have the church mask on, you're like, hey, yeah, everything's great, see ya. And you have those just five-second interactions, um, you miss so much. You miss the meat of those relationships. You miss um, the relying on each other, the um, you know locking shields with each other, as Brian Wilms would say. Um, you miss that time where you are both in the fight together and you get to experience Christ together and teach each other too. Um, but as Paul is talking to Timothy, it really reflects their relationship and of just how close they were, even as just being a disciple and um, mentor. Um, but he says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace as in Christ Jesus. And I want to go back to uh, chapter 1 for this, uh, because Paul has um, a little bit of context for that verse that I really like. Um, and he says in 2 Timothy 1, 
9 through 10. Find here. Uh, so he's talking about Christ and the gospel and the power of Christ. And he says, uh, He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, not but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Um, and that really stood out to me because in light of Jesus destroying death and having given us eternal life through his sacrifice on the cross, uh, we should walk in strength because of that. Uh, you've literally been bought with a price that is irreplaceable, and we get to have eternal life because of the sacrifice that Christ made. And so for us to um, be walking in that, um, that should be strengthening. Uh, we should walk in a lot of confidence in that um, the things that we know to be true, the the mere fact that uh, we know the living God, um, that should be something that is strengthening for us. That should be a confidence builder in us. Uh, knowing our lives are hidden in Christ and that can't be taken away from us if we truly know Him. Uh, so when we, we, we are either with Him in death or He comes to us in life, we've been called uh, His own since from the beginning of time. It wasn't just a, um, oh, you know, this guy or girl has been born. I guess I'll call them theirs. No, before even the beginning of time, we've already been called um, his sons and daughters. Uh, so that is something that we should take confidence in. Uh, and then moving on to verse 2, he says, And things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Um, so going back just a little bit, but um, we can also walk in confidence knowing that uh, every fault that we find ourselves uh, because of his grace, uh, anything that we think that, that might be some kind of a shortcoming, uh, those are things that we can actually uh, reflect Christ in uh, because he has grace to cover us because of those things. Um, if you look at Paul, Paul was berated for his shortcomings. Um, if you look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9, um, he says that he asked for his shortcomings to be removed three times because he had a a tormentor, literally, is what he says, that would tell him and remind him of his shortcomings and the things that um, he may have done in the past. You know, it doesn't exactly tell us what his thorn in the flesh was, but um, there's some things that we might be able to think of. Um, you know, maybe his past when he imprisoned Christians for their faith. Um, maybe it was for the way that he carried himself. Um, there are many things, or maybe it's a literal physical ailment that he had. Um, there have been, I've heard that, Paul may have had um, eye trouble because of all of his beatings. Um, so whatever it might have been, whatever that shortcoming might have been, um, Christ said, or God says that uh, he reminds him that his grace is sufficient for him, that in his power, or that in his weakness, God's power is made perfect. And so whenever the enemy brings up those shortcomings to us, those things that we think are things that should discount us or things that should take us out of the fight, um, those are actually things that we should boast about because in our shortcomings, in the things that uh, the enemy will bring up to us, the lies that he brings up to us, those are the things that make Christ's power perfect. Because we know that even though we might be, uh, we might fall short, although we might be weak, uh, the Lord, because of his grace, because of his sacrifice, we are able to walk in confidence. And he shows his power through us because of that. Uh, you know, I think of, of my weakness you know, I uh, used to actually be terrified to speak in front of people. I hated it. I would rather do anything else in the world than get up in front of people. 
Um, but for whatever reason, um, and I even eat these words all the time, um, if you tell the Lord, I will never do that, if you tell him, I will never be a teacher and I will never be a coach, you're going to be a teacher and a coach. And he's going to actually give you the strength, give you the things that you need to be able to do that well. And so I can confidently stand up here and say, uh, the only reason I'm able to stand up here and the only reason I can actually get up and teach is because the Lord sh shows me so much grace. And you might notice that I follow my words all the time and um, goofy as all get out and kids make fun of me. But um, because of that, it's okay because I know that um, there's no way that I would be doing this any other way. Um, you know, I could do all kinds of other things and um, be much more well off than being a teacher, but um, the Lord called me to that. And so... Um, that's what I that's what I did. Um, but anyway, moving on, uh, he says that um, and I got a little bit ahead of myself here, but uh, the things that you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust are reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Uh, a big part of discipleship is that that discipleship is usually it usually ends up being caught and not actually taught. Um, actually spending time with people, that is probably the thing that uh, rubs off on people the most rather than, um, the teaching that they actually give them or the lessons that they give them. Um, I look back to my mentorship with um, a guy named Matt Brown. He was a, an, uh, a, a wrestler at OSU, um, moved back to our hometown and um, actually took over our youth group just because um, our youth minister had left. Yeah, the first day that I go back to church when I'm a senior in high school, I hadn't really been in church for a very long time, I go back and the youth pastor announces that he's leaving. Yeah, so that was great. That was not awkward at all. Um, but the great thing about that is that Matt was able to take over that that program, and I got to um, just spend time with him. Literally, the first real interactions I had was he invited me to lunch during his lunch break and my lunch break. So um, on Fridays, we would just go to his work, and we would have lunch, and we just talked. Uh, there wasn't really that there wasn't like a big lesson that he was trying to do. There wasn't um, any kind of pre-planned um, teaching that he wanted. Um, he just had spent time with us and we got to spend time with him. And that life that uh, he was living was a life that reflected Christ. And it was just the little, the little tidbits that we throw in every now and then. Just the reflection of his day um, that he would teach us how Christ had impacted him. Um, that made more of a difference in my discipleship than any kind of teaching at that point had. Um, just to see somebody that was really living out what the Christian life is like made a huge difference. And so uh, it, I encourage you guys, if you know anybody that you are close with and just spending time with them, you make an impact on those people. Um, just the little, the little blurbs here and there, just the little reflections of Christ, those are the things that get picked up. Um, so I, I encourage you guys, um, don't be intimidated by just a little thing here and there. It really does make a big difference in people's lives. Uh, you know, think back to whenever you're a young child, uh, you pick up on your parents' mannerisms and the way that they speak. And when you're spending time with other Christians, when you're spending time with people who might not be Christians, they're going to pick on what pick up on what you're saying. Uh, and if you're actually in a discipleship relationship with those people, um, they're going to pick up on what you do. Um, if you ever get to the opportunity to see me with my dad, I am an exact copy of my dad, which is really embarrassing. 
Um, but it's not that he was saying, hey, you should act like this. It was you just spend time with people, and that's what you pick up on. So whenever you're with those people, um, be intentional and, and think about the things that you're saying and the things that you are um, putting out into the world because they're going to pick up on them. Uh, but Paul really wants his relationship with Timothy, that time that Timothy had spent with him, to reflect uh, in Timothy's life. Because it doesn't say that um, Paul was teaching him lessons that you should teach exactly this way, and these are sound doctrine. It was that Paul was teaching and preaching to other people and was um, actually spreading the gospel to other people, and Timothy was just kind of there. Uh, and so the things that he had heard, he says, um, you know, the things that you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, you also entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So it's really this relationship of being together, hearing what is true, and um, actually replicating that and spreading the gospel in this way. Um, so that kind of gives us a little bit of an idea of how our, our act should be whenever we are um, in relationships with people. Um, but he also goes on in verses 3 through 7 to talk about how we should follow Christ. So how do I actually reflect Christ? He says in verse 3, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. All right, so we have this example of a good soldier. And something with, about soldiers is, um, and he says it in verse 3, um, Paul tells him to join in suffering like a good soldier. Um, soldiers are constantly subject to suffering. It is part of their job. Uh, from the first day of boot camp, they're torn down and become familiar with suffering. Um, and that suffering prepares them to endure the hardships of combat once they get into the field. Um, they actually lose a lot of their rights so that others can gain the rights that they have, um, which is such a great example of the Christian life. We lose our lives, but we gain eternity from it. And our losing of our rights, even though others might look at that and go, well, you don't get to do all these things, uh, you get to show them, look, no, this isn't, I'm not losing here. This is me gaining everything. Um, and so to be a, a suffering soldier, um, you are you're giving up those rights. You're giving up that um, you are suffering uh, by getting to know the Lord. Um, but he also says that a soldier knows what his duty is. Um, he says no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. Um, even though a soldier might be stationed in foreign land, he knows his commander and the country he serves. Uh, he might be in that place, but he keeps his eye on his assignment and the goal of his mission. Uh, he doesn't indulge in the day-to-day -day of civilian life and try to fit in with the civilians that he's around. And in the same way, we are to be in the world, but we aren't supposed to be a part of it. Um, so if you look at, at a Christian, um, even though we're in a foreign land, even though that we are in the world, uh, we know who our commander is. We know who the, the person that we serve. We know that our commander is Christ, and uh, we know that we serve him. Um, we might be in this place, but we know what our mission is. We know that our mission is to spread the gospel and to, and to know Christ and for others to know Christ. Um, and we don't indulge in uh, civilian life. We don't act exactly the way that everybody else does. And that sets us apart so that the world knows that we are his and um, it's almost like a uniform for a soldier. Uh, you, I, you can identify a soldier by the things that he wears. Um, and so if you are putting on Christ, if you are um, actually putting on 
the attributes that Christ has, you're going to stand out and just like a good soldier does. So uh, we can't just climb in a hole and watch the world around us slip into darkness as we wait for Christ. We have to actually be intentional about going out and doing the good work and um, being a good soldier for Christ. Uh, we can't be like the rest of the world, but and we can't climb into a hole because we're still to be a light that leads others to Christ. And we can't be alive if we don't uh, do that and follow the Lord. Okay, the next example that he gives us in how to live is uh, in verse 5, he says that similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Um, so athletes will only win if they are able to um, do the competition in the way that it, would, it is actually supposed to be done. Um, so I'm a track coach, so of course I'm going to do the track thing and give you guys a track example. Um, so one of my favorite events is the, the high hurdles, so the 100s and 110 hurdles. Uh, in the in the high hurdles, you have ten barriers that you have to go over, and uh, if you wanted to theoretically, um, you know it might seem that the easier thing to do instead of going over the hurdles would maybe you just knock them all down whenever you go through them. That might get you a lot faster time. I think the world record in the one ten hurdles is like twelve eighty something. Um, so that's pretty fast, but you know, if you blow through all of them, it might be a lot faster. Um, but if you were to do this, even though you might run faster than everybody else, um, you're going to get to the end and, uh, the official is going to say, uh, yeah, you're disqualified. You can't do that. Uh, you have to make an attempt. In fact, the rules state that both legs must go above the hurdle in a race. So if you just push them all over, you are going to get disqualified. Um, and you can't just kind of go around it or anything like that. Um, so you have to make an attempt to actually follow these rules and these regulations um, set before you or you get disqualified. Um, you know, if we're following Christ, but we don't live according to the, the guidelines that Christ has set before us, if we aren't following the Bible, if we aren't, if we aren't living a holy life set apart from the world, um, we might be running a race that we get to the end of and uh, we might just be disqualified for that. Um, we might claim Christ uh, till the day that we die, but if we aren't living as Christ told us to, um, what kind of a faith is that? Um, we know uh, many people that uh, we might meet that might claim to be Christians. Um, they might be Christians in word, but not so much in deed. Um, you know, their lives look nothing like the kind of life that Jesus says that we should have. And you know, there comes a point where you have to question: you know, do you do you really know Jesus? Because the way you live seems like you live just like everybody else. And it's actually damaging. Um, because how many people have we also met that um, maybe have gone to church a couple of times and then, you know, they say, oh, well, I used to go to church. But, you know, uh, those Christians, they just act just like everybody else does. And they just are judgy and busy on Sundays. Um, you know, it's, it's detrimental to people if you are claiming Christ and you don't act like Christ. And you don't try to follow Christ. Um, and so we can't just pick up the, the parts and the rules that we like to follow. We can't just pick the parts of the Bible that sound great and skip all the other things. Um, you can't just ignore the, hard, the parts that are hard. Uh, loving your enemies is a hard thing to do. Uh, going through trials is hard, but um, and doing what the Lord wants you to do sometimes is hard. But um, those are all things that we've been called to, and we've been shown grace because of that, and that gives us life. Uh, moving on to the last example he gives. In verse 6, he says, The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. 
Uh, so if we're going to be displaying Christ, we have to first know Christ and enjoy him ourselves. So think of this. If a, if you have a farmer and he decided that um, he was never going to use any of the resources that he was growing himself. So um, say that he uh, might be growing some cows and some pigs, um, maybe a, a milk cow here and there, some chickens. Uh, maybe he was growing crops and fruit. Um, and he could totally sustain himself on those things, but he chose instead to um, only get rid of all his crop. Yes, he might be able to um, go and buy the things that he needs to survive, but um, for one, he wouldn't be able to tell other people how great his stuff actually is, um, which is a really hard selling point. Oh, uh, yeah, this is really great stuff. I don't eat it, but you know, you should eat it. Yeah, try, try selling people stuff like that. Uh, but if he doesn't get that sustenance, if he doesn't get the things that he needs to, to sustain himself, uh, he, isn't, he isn't going to be able to keep doing that work. He'll wear down, and eventually he won't be able to continue to do all the hard work that's necessary to be able to produce those things. And the same thing happens in the Christian life. If you are constantly pouring out, if you're constantly um, being the person that's going to other people, trying to share the gospel, trying to disciple people, trying to do all the church things, uh, but you yourself aren't indulging in taking in Christ, if you aren't spending that time with him in the word, if you aren't spending that time with him in prayer, uh, if you aren't going to church yourself, uh, eventually you're going to wear down and uh, it's going to be impossible for you to pour into people because you can't pour from, you can't pour into other people from an empty cup. And so you have to be in his presence, enjoying him first. You have to be the first partaker of the fruit and then you can be the one that is pouring into people. Uh, and so those three examples are um, just kind of a, they're all examples for Timothy to emulate, okay? Be like these people because um, this is going to lead you in a good life in Christ and you'll be able to see fruit from um, kind of taking their example. All right, but then he goes on and we go to verses 8 through 10. And in verse 8 it says, Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Uh, and really, this just kind of shows us how offensive the gospel really is. And people hate the gospel. Uh, the world hates the gospel. And part of the reason that people might not like you is because you actually believe the true gospel. Um, the world really hates that you believe in the gospel. Even worse yet, you guys actually believe in the true gospel. Uh, so you kind of get the double whammy. Um, and you could believe in so many other things and not be criminalized because of it. Uh, you know, Paul is writing, and he's in chains at this point. He says, "The gospel is why I'm suffering, and I'm I'm being chained to I'm being chained even like a criminal at this point." Uh, you know, you could believe in so many other outlandish things, and nobody would blink an eye at you. Uh, you believe in Sasquatch? Good for you. You know, nobody's going to actually put you in chains for that. Nobody's going to be throwing you in jail for it. Nobody's going to say, "Oh, this guy's crazy. We got to get him out of society." Um, if you believe in Sasquatch, that's going to be great. Uh, you believe in aliens, even better. We'll give you a TV show. Uh, you can tell us all about aliens. Um, but you believe in the gospel, uh, we're going to beat you. We're going to ridicule you. We're going to put you in chains for that. Um, there are people who are executed all over the world every single day because of their faith in Christ. Um, and so it, it really shows you the difference in, in the gospel. There's a reason why it is offensive to people. There's a reason why the world hates it. Uh, you know, Jesus tells us that the world would hate us, and uh, the world hates us because it hated him first. 
Uh, in John 15, 8, he says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Um, it, the gospel is offensive. Um, the gospel is real. Uh, the world hates it, and it, it knows that it gives life. And so the world tries to, tries to hide that from people. It tries to get you to shut up and not do the things that you're supposed to do and not share with people. Um, but Paul says that he's chained, and uh, even though we might be hated by the world and will, and will do everything in its power to keep the gospel being spread, nothing can keep the gospel chained. Um, he says that even though he's in chains, that the gospel, that God's word is not chained. Um, you know, those are powerful words coming from somebody who's literally in chains at that point uh, to say that even though I'm chained in my weakness, the Lord is still good and the gospel is still going to endure. Uh, the gospel is still going to be spread. And a lot of times, even more so. Um, we know that persecution actually spreads the gospel like wildfire. It was through persecution that the gospel first was spread to all the different parts um, close to Jerusalem. Uh, so we should count ourselves blessed to know the gospel and know Christ. You know, there are many people who either will never know the Christ or, or know the gospel. Um, and there are a lot of people who will hear it and reject it. But um, we can be thankful that we actually heard the gospel and accepted it. Because um, that, that is a huge blessing. Um, and once we get to... Um, let's see what verse we hear. Um, in verse 10, he says, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too might, may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Um, you know, the gospel, it smells like death to people who are perishing. And so whenever you get to talk to people, um, you're either going to put off two different smells. Yeah, you, you have a smell to you. Uh, the gospel is either going to be a sweet smell to people who are, who are um, going towards eternal life because um, that gospel is life-giving to them, or you're going to be putrid. Uh, you are going to be absolutely terrible smelling to them. Because um, if you've ever been around something that's been dead for a while, if you walk up on something, you go, oh my gosh, what's that smell? Or you uh, just go past that roadkill on the road, and, you're just, and you don't really realize it, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, geez. Yeah, that's exactly the way that you can think of the gospel being spread to people. Um, either you're going to be a sweet smell to them because you're literally giving them life, or it's going to be something that you're putrid and you have to be taken care of. They need to get away from you as fast as possible. And that is a, that's a part of the reality of the gospel. Uh, but Paul says that the gospel is worth enduring everything for. He says, I endure everything for the sake of those who believe in Christ. Um, so he will go through the beings. Um, you know, Paul was beaten. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was put on trial. He was outcast, rioted against, and rejected by his own people. But he kept pressing forward uh, because of the because of the gospel, knowing that there were people out there that if he didn't do it, nobody else was going to. That they needed to know the gospel because he was given life, and if he didn't take it to them, they would never know the things that he knows. And there are people out there that you are going to be the only person that they hear Christ from. And so, um, it's worth enduring everything for. Um, and it really it makes me kind of um, ashamed to know that you know a lot of times that I might not tell the gospel to somebody because it might make me uncomfortable, um, or they might say something and brush me off. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you kind of go, once you think about, it, you're like, boo hoo, like 
get over yourself. <laughs> and and I'm always saying that to point every finger at myself. Um, it's not to condone anybody else, but um, you know, this is this is life and death, and this is uh, life with Christ. And if there weren't people who were had uncomfortable conversations with us, we might have never known the gospel either. Um, so that's just encouragement for for me especially, but for you guys as well. Um, you know, it's worth it. It's worth enduring for. Um, any kind of suffering is going to be worth that eternal glory that those people will get to have with Christ. All right, finishing up, uh, he says, uh, here's a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, he will also reign. we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot disown himself. Um, just some things to keep in mind with that is that um, our lives are hidden in Christ. Uh, we've been crucified with Christ. It's Galatians 2.20. And he says, when, uh, when we died to our old selves and gave our lives to Christ, we sealed our future lives uh, with him. So we can be confident by this, uh, by the way that we live. We've been truly crucified with Christ. We're going to reflect that. Um, so not only will we um, share in his death, but we also will share in his resurrection as well. And also because of that, it means that we're co-heirs with him. Um, so we're not greater than he is, and he was called the devil and put to death. Um, but if we endure as he did, as he says, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. Uh, so if we endure as he did, we'll also get to spend eternal life with him and get to um, be in his glory for the rest of our lives. And Christ will never fail us, even though that we might end up failing him. Um, there's going to be times that you're going to fall short. Um, and Christ knew that before he ever, before you ever knew the gospel, before time ever began, he knew that you're going to be messy. He knew that you weren't going to be perfect and that you're going to fall short. Even as much as you love him, um, we all will fall short. Um, even Peter, whenever uh, whenever Jesus was being carried off to trial, denied him three times. Peter, the the rock of the church, the the first stone that was put in place, uh, he denied him three times. So even though that you might fall short, um, the Lord shows grace for us. So that's just something to keep in mind. But um, to just kind of wrap things up. Um, you know, we've all been called to spread the gospel, and it is. this has really been an encouragement to me. It's really been a, a challenge to me um, because I'm literally the worst at um, sharing my faith. And I, I don't want to be that way, and I hope you guys don't either. And we can look to examples of how we can disciple people and how we can spread the gospel to other people um, and take encouragement from, from Paul writing to Timothy because of that. Um, but I hope that you guys keep Christ as the focus of your lives um, and you know, look to these examples. Um, you know, each one of us can be exactly like those three examples given, um, and it's good to reflect on those things. Um, but if the world hates you, just be encouraged because that means that you're His, and that means that we know that uh, we are part of, a part of Christ and our lives are going to be with Him for the rest of our lives. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to our content. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Married Now What podcast is a ministry of Evergreen Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and is meant to be a resource for in-depth Bible study for couples striving to build their lives on the truth of God's Word. For more information and additional lessons, please visit our website, evergreenbc.org.